Greetings, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Taranarama's Hard News on Friday nights at BBS Radio Station One. So we're grateful that you're joining us here tonight. And we'd like to take just a few moments to go into that heart space. So let's take a few gentle breaths. Breathe into your nose, out through your mouth, slowly, gently. Let go of that dross of the day. As we go into that heart space. And as we gather, we're being called by the Kimi drum. With that calling beat. So let's gather with our guides and guardians, our spirit teams, our healing teams, our ancestors, whoever you like to journey with that Kimi drum with. This is the Kimi drum we hear calling us. Calling us to that council fire. It's in the center. So let's all gather around that council fire. Coming close. In that virtual way you know how to do. Now let us call in the seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition with that prayer. Welcome from the east, the house of light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us so that we might see things with clarity. from the north, the house of night. May wisdom mature among us. So that we might see everything from within. We welcome from the west house of transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so that we might accomplish what must be done. Right action gives us the harvest so that we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary being. We 
people and the ancestors gathered. May their blessings reach us now. Welcome from below the house of earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmony so that we might end more. Welcome from the central source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. Even Maya, even Ho. Are you Hunaku? Even Maya, even Ho. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. Ho Matakriyas. In Lakesh, Alakin. Stay wherever that drumbeat took you as we take a few moments to look at the, the Mayan record of days for today and in the week ahead. And today is that the <clears throat> blue spectral storm. So it's an 11 clock and it's spectral. That means it's, <laughs> it's about letting go of that which no longer serves. So it's releasing, it's liberation, dissolve. In the storm, it's the three descriptive words. Catalyze, energy, and self-generation. So here's the mantra for today. I dissolve in order to catalyze, releasing energy. I seal the matrix of self-generation with the spectral tone of liberation. I am guided by my own power double. So it's a double storm day, double catalyzing, double the word, double double all that. So it's a new moon today. And isn't it interesting that our teacher today in the challenge position is the moon. So new moon happened this morning at 517 in Eastern time zone. And, um, but let's look at that destiny chart again. The occult picture for today is is the wind and the um support for today is the sun, a how. So and then we've got that st- double storm energy going on with the tone guide being the storm as well as the solar cliff of the day is the storm. So <laughs> 
nicely balanced, powerful day using that with that wind as our, our caught guide for that'll be our energy this evening as we gather here. And we're being taught by the moon and we have a new moon and we're doing that new moon energy thing with it with that support of the sun as in the middle of that storm. So <laughs> let's embrace these energies as we go throughout the evening. And uh and then moving on to tomorrow, Saturday, it's a twelve of how, the yellow crystal sun. That crystal tone of complex stability. And it's Christmas Eve day, so we'll be in holiday mode for sure with that crystal sun. So um lots of <clears throat> Lots of potential with that crystal tone and the how energy of rising to Christ consciousness. So appropriate for that day. And uh, then moving on to Sunday, it's Christmas Day with a 13 Emish. And Emish begins the cycle around the wheel again. So it's the first solar glyph, the red cosmic dragon. And that 13 tone is that cosmic tone. So it's that promise of change. So what a powerful day for this Red Cosmic Dragon Day to be Christmas. And we work for that with for that trans, transmutation uh, energy of the cosmic tone and that dragon energy of the beginning. And we begin <clears throat> this new cycle around the, the, the uh, solar wheel <clears throat> with tone one. No, that's tomorrow. That's Monday. Yeah. So anyway, it's that <laughs> beginning. So, um, and also remember on Christmas Day, if you connect with my tray at three o'clock in your in your time zone, you will receive a, a blessing on that day. Uh, and there'll be many blessings because it's Christmas. And then going on to Monday, it's a portal day, and it's a one eek. It's the it's the uh, beginning of a new wave, and it's the wave of the magnetic wind. And it's the 26th. So this is also Boxing Day, and it's also Kwanzaa celebrated on this day. And uh, let me take a quick look for the guidance of the wind energy on the wave. I'll find it here. Oh, yeah. So it's a time to be open. To listen to the mind of spirit as with this energy of the wind. And so we'll, starting on Monday, as you start that way, we'll be open to that mind of spirit, receiving that energy of spirit and communicating it for 13 days. So then moving on to Tuesday, it's the two Akmals, the blue lunar night. And um, so that. Night energy is about abundance, working with our abundance. Let's just look at that a little closer. Okay, so it's an artist aspect, and it's about our participation and our belief in our abundance. So keep up the faith, <laughs> Nassara now, and learn from your dream time. Keep dreaming the dream awake. Uh, as we are an instrument of peace, let's embrace these gifts of that protection of the night. 
and being that mystery of life with this energy. So let go of any self-judgment or any withdrawal. As we work with that, my energy, and then on Wednesday, is a three calm, the yellow electric seed. And looking at seed closer, it's a healing aspect, and it's about our openness to life. So, and it's an electric tone. So we're we're at it. We're going to start making those seed orders, going through those catalogs, and making sure you have all the yummy things you want to plant, especially the green. I hardly wait to plant my seeds. <laughs> so self determination and harmony seeking and timing, and we embrace these gifts of possibility and that potential of creation. So let's let go of any stagnation or any lack of self-confidence. Let go of any hesitation or any um, lack of trust. Let's let go of that. And then moving on to Thursday, is the four chick charms of red self-existing snake. Four tone is self-existing is that Four in action as a square. It's the support, self-existing. And it's with that warrior aspect of the snake, Chik Chong. So we remain open to change. We, we distinguish between our body and our soul, and we transmute energy with this Chik Chong. So let's embrace these gifts of motivation to change and that instinct and body sensing. Let go of any insecurities or fears about intimacy or any issues about the body. Let go of any blockages by the ego on that day. And that's Thursday. And then Friday we come back at the five kimi, the <clears throat> white overtone, uh, linker of worlds or world bridger. <laughs> so that'll be a fun drumming. So let's, it's a warrior aspect. Kimi is. So this is where we work with our forgiveness and moving into a state of grace. As we embrace these gifts of being that world bridger, let us bridge between the past and the future and work with that transmutation in the process as we let go of that which is no more, let go of the ego, any controlling behavior, any belief that life is a struggle, let go of that. So there we go. We'll talk about that more next Friday when we come back. And I'd like to change my hat as we are listening to support it radio program. It's all of us that make it happen. And we're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs. And sometimes what happens with that is that when they need to fix a car or do have emergencies such as that, they end up having to use the money that's been contributed to the radio. And it turns out that we need $1,295 for the radio. So we got to get busy and start contributing as best we can and and know that it's just, a, it's just an iteration. <laughs> this too shall pass. We will catch up. And all the ways that you can think of in your imagination to catch up, send that energy as we can do this. So... Here's how we make a contribution to BBS Radio. You go to bbsradio.com, and you want to find the menu for uh, BBS Radio Station 1 to find this show. So look on that menu at Thursday at 6 o'clock hour and at Friday at 6 
o'clock hour. The therapy show is a night at the round table with the panel. And uh, as you click on that, that'll send money right to our account. You, you'll get that. Uh, you'll access our account that way and can make that contribution. And then as you click, click on the icon for this program, the hard news on Friday nights for Sarah and Rama, that'll take you to our account with BBS Radio as well. And then we have a, sh- a Saturday show on BBS Radio 2, and that's at the 1.30 hour. You can click on that icon as well as you go to that menu. So that's how it happens. Thank you for taking that action. Thank you for making those contributions so that we can continue working this way every week. <laughs> so much gratitude for all of you. So thank you for showing up like that. And uh, if you stick with it, we'll catch up. Uh, so 13 thank yous and hunting in the heart. And then it's also rent week this week. And um, 11.50 is needed for that. Another 600 is needed for bills. Another 660 is needed for the car repair. And, um, yeah. And then uh, if they could get some living expenses out of that, that'd be another miracle. So let's make all the miracles happen. It's a miracle week. It's the last week of the year. See what we can do to catch up. Reach deep. (laughs) See what Santa Claus can bring. And uh, however we answer our prayers, let's make it happen. Um, as we're making a contribution in Tarnarama, you want to go to the web address. Is one way. There's two ways. So one way is go to the web address, which is rainbowroundtable.net. There on the home page, you click on the menu grid at the top of the page or bottom, depending on what device you're on. You'll see uh, the menu drop down and it the donate link is near the bottom of that list, and it just says donate. Click on that. That'll take you to the Rainbow Roundtable account with PayPal, and that's perfect. Thank you for taking that action. And then the other way to access it is go to paypal.com and put in Rama's email for that account that we just talked about in that email address, Coran, K-O-R-A-N, 999949 at hotmail.com. And then as you enter that email for gifting, that's how that accesses the friends option. So either way is perfect. We're grateful for your contributions. And uh, so, yeah, 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. Um, yeah, it's a tall order. So we're going to be manifesting some, doing some alchemical work with that. <laughs> Let's see what spirit can bring us. Anyone who's new here and wants to make this contribution as a Christmas guest, we'd be delighted that you, as we all participate to uh, make all the ends meet at the end of the year. <laughs> so we'll get there. I have confidence in every one of you. So 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. As you're making a donation to Rama and Tara, you need to um, send Rama a message saying that you sent something and when you sent it in that email for Rama, Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 99939 at Comcast.net. And then... um, if you need it, the mailing address is Romney Berkowitz, 
R A M D Berkowitz, B E R K O W I T Z, Post Office Box 280280. In Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567 is a zip. And again, Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567. There you have it. All the, all that you need to make those contributions. And again, so much gratitude to all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up and being with us each week. So much gratitude to everyone at BBS for all that they do and for um, Tar and Rama for all that they do. So, 13 thank yous, honey in the heart, long life. May you live long and prosper, and this talking stick is all full of blinking, and it's got elves everywhere, and it's got all kinds of fairies and feathers and magic and presents and elves and more elves. <laughs> so Anna Reindeer and Rudolph is there lighting the way. So greetings. Here comes this Christmas talking stick. Greetings, Tara. Greetings, Roland. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thank you, everyone. Happy solstice and this new moon coming. And may Rudolph visit everyone tomorrow night. Yes. <laughs> With all of us, uh, his fellow sleigh um Deer, reindeer. <laughs> Fellow partners. And uh, Santa Claus. Yes. Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> uh, Plenty of mushrooms to go around. <laughs> um, one of our cohorts in uh, looking up things on the internet produced a picture pretty obscene I just have to say oh let's just God. say what happened the other night oh my God Mr. Z you know basically uh, committed high treason and everybody in Congress went along with the program so they're all guilty of treason yeah and it's a complicated story because it's about and this title to this picture with Miss half-dressed, almost not nothing on. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is standing up, and uh, Mr. Zelensky is sitting on the couch, and he's looking a little bit uh, unhappy to be in that situation. It says at the top, "See, that wasn't so bad. Now let's get you that forty-seven billion dollars." Oh my goodness. It, uh, if you didn't get it, that's okay. I'm just going to leave this thing alone. That's just yeah, about the most obscene picture I've seen in a very, very long time. It is how the 13 <laughs> families have been playing this game for thousands and thousands. Tit for tat. Yeah. Join the club. It's time for it to be over. Yeah, it's a lot worse. We know that. And this is the time for the new dispensation and... It all ends now. Yes, that's what I'm being told every single day. 
and that's good. And get to, get to share that with everybody. Yes. And the power of us believing in the magic in a collective mind and heartedness, it wakes. <laughs> it does, it wakes. Okay, we didn't have a little visit with everybody yesterday. The weather had its way with the technology in Houston, Texas. It was very cold. It was 14, 15, 16, 17 degrees, and that didn't work. Uh, so <clears throat> we will read it now. And so Rama says, oh, you read it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so here we go. This We start with uh, the 16th, uh, which was last Friday. <clears throat> I received a text message. This is Rama speaking. I received a text message from Mr. X today at 11.35 p.m. He said to me, Lord Rama, the media on earth, with the exception of RT International, is making Russia out to be the evil Lord Vader. <clears throat> it is not Russia. It is the United States Empire. This empire is stirring the pot for a false flag event. They would like to blame Putin for it. Yet at this moment, our skies are filled with the galactic forces of light. The return of the Christ light in magnitudinous force is at hand. Captain Ashtar is here. No dates, no nukes. The time is now. We have some papers to go over with you. Uh, Penny, as you're listening, Rama's got a whole bunch of uh, sightings, fully decloaked starships all over the planet. Yes. He will send them to you. And then what else you said? There was another. Uh, he, he just showed me a picture on the uh, on his new phone screen there. And there's four motherships, and they're sitting right one, two, three, four, like layered. And there is plain as day. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ships I have seen today. And it just tells me. You mean on your phone? Yeah. Yeah. And but we saw skies. some huge lenticulars right on front of our window here. Yeah, I, I have pictures. There's no doubt what it is. Oh, my God. You can't miss it. So let's continue this little story here. Um, the time is now. We have some papers to go over with you. Lord Rama, see you soon. All we are saying is give peace a chance. Satnam, namaste, blaze the violet fire. And so Monday, 19th, I received a text message from the King of Swords at 1.38 p.m. this afternoon. He said to me, Lord Rama, the energies are extremely high. The January 6th committee has brought the hammer of Thor down. Accountability is on the table. High treason and insurrection are not solutions. War is never the answer. What happens now is up to the Department of Justice. Meanwhile, Donald Trump and his cronies are stirring the pot for a false flag event. Yet the world is weary of war. Love is the answer. As these solstice energies come in, we have changed the timelines. Satyuga is manifesting right now. 
We are in a new era, area of the Milky Way galaxy. All we are saying is give peace a chance. Nam, namaste, and blaze the violet fire. Tuesday, I, I received a text message from Tom the Ringtail Cat and Sweet Angelique the Cat at 12.45 p.m. this afternoon. They said to me, Lord Rama, we are in orbit between Earth and the moon. We are observing the solar flares. They are massive. There have been two coronal holes in the sun in the last couple of days. All these energies coming in, the solar flare, the coronal holes, the massive electromagnetic waves are birthing Tita Lacoria Terra Nova, names for the new Earth. We have made it. Now we get to meet and greet family and friends from across the galaxy. The solstice light that is 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 coming in is from supergalactic center. Embrace it. Now is the time. As we are called, we will learn the ways of the force from the Jedi masters who are here. Other names for them are the ascended masters. We are very close. See you soon, Lord Rama. Satnam Namaste. Blaze violet fire and turn the page. Rama's got all these aurora borealises and starships everywhere. Coming out of her ears. That's fine with me. Today I went, this is Wednesday, that's Wednesday the 21st. Today I went up the mountain, about halfway up. I found a good spot close to the stream near nearby at Black Rock Turnoff. It was cold. It was cold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's about halfway up, probably very cold, yes, and set up a Jedi Council with my crystals. Then I received a text message from Tom the Ringtail Cat, Sweet Angelique the Cat. It was 1.09 p.m. this afternoon. They said to me, Lord Rama, we sent you a picture of the Aurora Borealis over a northern village in Norway. Wow, I mean, it's uh, right in front of my face here. Uh, it's in Lafoten, Norway. That's northern city, and that's friggin' cold there. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, the shades of emerald greens in the aurora are an awesome sight to behold. The light coming in from winter solstice is the white fire core of being light. It is uplifting all of nature and nature's God, up. God, God is all that is, up. At this point, 10 deer, 15 crows showed up, and they sat with me as I texted back to Tom and Sweet Angelique. They just sat there and watched me text quietly. I mean, it was just, you know. You're the newest and most curiously interesting thing around, Rava. Well, I represent food because I give them compost. Yes, that's right. (laughs) So they're polite. That's good. (laughs) Politely waiting for their dinner. (laughs) Yes. Okay, where was I? Um, um, At this point, yeah, 10 deer and 15 crows showed up. And they sat with me as I texted back to Tom and Sweet Angelique. So, quote, are we at that moment where it all changes? 
they responded by saying, it has been 10 years since 12-21-2012. We are at the end... Oh. oh my. <clears throat> okay, we are at the end of the old cycle. The old timeline. We are in Sat Yuga. Leave the old timeline alone. Focus on the love. And the compassion. Uh, a lot of exclamation points here. Of ten trillion suns coming in. All we are saying is give peace a chance. Satnam, namaste. Blaze. The fire. fire. Thursday. I received a text message from Mr. X at 11.40 a.m. Late this morning. He said to me, Lord Rama, the whole media world, with the exceptions of RT International and news agencies out of China, is not, in capital letters, telling the true story about the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. The vast majority of the United States Congress, by, by aligning with President Zelensky at the speech before Congress, that night before, Wednesday night, have committed high treason. Mr. X continued, with this current focus, we are in this new timeline. All of the vortices, ley lines, song lines, dragon lines, and cat singing lines, <laughs> yes. are all singing out to us because Mother Gaia is fully activated. The old matrix system is falling apart, and people are waking up like never before. It takes all of us. I am a black-skinned Islamic man and a dual citizen of Jordan and the United States of America. I live in the United States, and I work as a Secret Service agent for President Barack Obama. As I see it, the number one issue on the table in the United States is systemic racism. We are, as human beings, we are every color in the rainbow, yeah. and love is the answer. Yes. Russia is not the enemy. As we were to create an enemy, it is the matrix. The 13 families along with the Vatican, are fallen angels amongst us. And it just reminds me, you know, you keep your friends close and you keep your enemies even close. And here we are. Yeah. The 13 families along with the Vatican and the fallen angels amongst us, possessing great wealth and great power. They have been misusing their power without love thousands of years. It is over. 
to quote Morpheus from The Matrix, you never free a mind unless it is asking to be freed, unquote. The present chaotic situation on Mother Gaia is caused by ignorance and stupidity in the entire human race, leaders and citizens alike. Knowledge is power. What one does with this power can and does change the world. Right use of willpower, use for the highest good of all concerned in world group service, blazes the path to peace. Blazes the path to peace. The gold dust, the monoatomic gold, is pouring in from our son, Saul. Embrace it with an open heart and unconditional love. We know your finances are in a serious set of hot water circumstances. We are calling in all of heaven for you. It is the time of the return of the sun. We are all open to the miracles and magic of all possibilities for the sake of the return of the Christ energy, the office of the Christ to earth. Keep your phone close, Lord Rama. We will be talking soon. Inshallah, Satnam, Namaste. Inshallah means God willing. God, God is all that is willing. Yes. Satnam, Namaste. Blaze the fire. fire. And so we go, turn the page. There are some fantastic pictures. Uh, so enjoy looking at these. Uh, you can find them by going to our website, right? Yes. And where do you go? You go to the report? Is there, yeah, what does it the say? newsletter. The newsletter. Yes, click on that. Wow. <clears throat> And uh, Tom and Sweet Angelique are the ones that have been sending these pictures to you. Yes. And they've been taking these from a, I would say, a very powerful camera from a starship. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is, um, the title of this, these pictures is Setting Sun with Ice Dogs on Either Side from, Nor from Southern Manitoba taken by one of my brothers, this is Penny talking, on the south side of our town, he wanted to get a photo of the circumzenith, the circumzenith arc, minus any interruptions with trees or buildings. His message was, I got only this. It's still a very spectacular indication of how cold it was. Yeah, you can look at that picture and shiver. <laughs> okay, so just beautiful pictures. Just enjoy everybody. There's another one, a morning sun dog above Rock Point Church along Highway 14 between Cochrane and Calgary. Radiates hope and purpose. The idea for this week's column began with a truly awesome encounter with the heavenly beauty, one of our Cochrane, C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E, coffee companions experienced on her way to Calgary last week. 
last Wednesday morning, excuse me. Okay, and then we continue. The idea for this week's column began with a truly awesome encounter with heavenly beauty. <clears throat> One of our Cochrane Coffee companions experienced on the way to Calgary last Wednesday morning. It concluded with a lesson in Stony Nakoda traditional wisdom about the meaning of that encounter. Lillian uh, Buklin was traveling along Highway 1A around 9.30. It was cold and windy, with snow blowing across the roads and the fields. As she angled southeast toward the Rock Point Church turnoff, there it was up ahead, just above the church. Oh, yeah, I can see the church. Yeah, wow, that's pretty outrageous. Mm-hmm. You get to see something like that. You got you get you, you can't turn back from this, everybody. A dazzling sun dog. It so dominated her view that she had to pull over and take this photo. She got back into her car and immediately emailed me the photo accompanying this column. And yes, I too was taken by its beauty. (sighs) Okay, there's just a couple more reads here. Sun dogs, with their characteristic mirroring of the sun's brilliance, frequently appear in pairs, either side of the sun, often within a, a halo caused by the refraction of the sun's rays passing through ice crystals in the atmosphere. They can occur throughout the year, yet they are especially eye-catching in the winter when the sun is closer to the horizon. For a very helpful article on the topic by Keith Hedorn, the weather doctor, that's Keith's initial C, Hedorn, H-E-I-D-O-R-N, and it's called The Weather Doctor. Uh, Google under the words, uh, under those words. Uh, I'll get Google, Google under the words, Island Sundog, Island Net Sundog. The first is just Island Net, that's one word, and the next word is Sundog. Okay. While I was doing research for this column, a man from Morley, who is like a brother to me, stopped by for a visit and shared with me his stony Nakoda First Nation understanding of sundogs. Heimer Two Youngman is a popular film and stage actor as well as consultant to Stony Nakoda, Nakoda Heritage. When I showed him Lillian's sundog photo, he was really impressed. In Stony, we call sundogs Wahiaba Ibu Kie, he said. That means sun makes a fire. He went on to explain, The four bright lines radiating from the sun, they are all about hope and purpose in this life, he said. The upward pointing ray 
refers to elders. The horizontal rays refer to adults. And the downward pointing ray refers to adolescence. The arc at the top, technically known as the upper tangent arc, speaks of the presence of Waka, the great spirit, among all people on Mother Earth, young and old alike, and of our eventual return to Waka. Then, with a, with a twinkle in his eye, he added, quote, The sun dog also means get ready for a cold spell. <laughs> oh, my! <laughs> no shit, Sherlock, as they say. Well, ready for a cold spell I am. Yet more importantly, inspired by Lillian's photo and Helmer's wisdom, I am striving with your help to be more prepared to be an expression of God's beauty in this world. Thank you, Lillian and Helmer. What a wonderful report, everybody. Thank you, Penny. And thank you to your friends who know where to send a story for open minds and hearts to hear and listen to. Uh, and I really am enjoying all of these galactic uh, proofs of their presence. Uh, there's one, two, three, five pictures in this report. Six, excuse me. Enjoy, everybody. And we're coming to that point. Well, Rama, um, the phone numbers, right? Yeah, the conference call number is 720-716-7301. And the pin code is 353-863-POUND. There you go, everybody. Come and join us for this next hour, and we'll have some interesting conversation, to say the least. And we'll be right back here at BBS Radio, the best radio in the universe. And I'm not making that up. Mm -hmm. And so come and join us. And our energies are being recognized by great beings of light and vice versa. And there is no veil. Okay. Satnam, see you on the conference. And we'll be right back here at the top of the next hour. Namaste. Peace down.
Hi, Precious Heart. Thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. Tomorrow, December 21st, is the solstice. As we make the final preparations for the birth of the new year, 2023, and the activities of light we will be called to co-create during that life-transforming year, the Company of Heaven has asked me to share some information they have revealed to us over the years. The intent of this sharing is to help each of us truly comprehend the magnitude of what it means now that the Divine Feminine has at long last been fully balanced with the Divine Masculine in every person's heart flame. In order to victoriously accomplish that mighty feat, which was co-created through the unified efforts of heaven and earth during the 36th Annual World Congress on Illumination, we were told by our Father Mother God that this mission would require all hands on deck. In compliance with that edict from our godparents, cosmic beings from systems of worlds beyond anything the earth has ever experienced were given permission to descend into the atmosphere of earth to amplify our efforts. We were told by our godparents that these cosmic beings had been given permission to remain in the atmosphere of earth through the December 21st solstice. Through their divine intentions and their infinite light, these cosmic beings are working with the I am presence of each and every one of us at this time. They are helping us to co-create a foundation of our Mother God's comprehensive divine love upon which the patterns of perfection for the new earth will tangibly be formed. As you listen to these words, the cosmic beings will exponentially expand the foundation of our Mother God's comprehensive divine love through your heart flame with every breath you take. This will help to pave the way for the miracles we will co-create in 2023. In order for us to fully grasp what an unfathomable blessing the full return of our Mother God is for each and every one of us, we need to remember what our Mother God's love means in relation to our very existence. So please center yourself and listen to these words through the flame of truth pulsating in your heart. And we begin. So much has been written about love that it has almost become a platitude. But the divine love of our Mother God is the mightiest force in the universe. It is the vibration from which we were born out of the heart of God. And it is the vibration through which we must now evolve and ascend back into the heart of God. The love of our Mother God has no bonds, 
no barriers, no conditions. Within the infinite power of our Mother God's love, there is no pain or sorrow, no lack or limitation. Her love contains within its essence the full potential to rise above all human conditions, all self-inflicted suffering, and all manner of chaos, confusion, hopelessness, and despair. Our Mother God's love heals the illusion of separation. It rejuvenates, revitalizes, and makes whole all that it embraces. It is the single greatest source of forgiveness, and it reverberates with the full gathered momentum of our eternal freedom in the light. Our Mother's love is the foundation of all creation. It is the indivisible, unchanging ecstasy that allows us to know love in all things. When we experience the love of our Mother God, we understand that we are all one. We know that every particle and wave of life is interconnected, interdependent, and interrelated. Whether we are a magnificent sun, a person, or a blade of grass, we are united in the body of our Father Mother God by the all-encompassing, cohesive light of our Mother God's divine love. As our Mother God reclaims this earth and anoints humanity with her comprehensive divine love, we are beginning to experience a deep reverence for all life. Our Mother's love is now pulsating within the core of our beings. It is not outside of us. We no longer need to seek the divine feminine from afar. We need to merely accept that our mother God has returned and that she is now abiding within every person's heart flame. Her love is pulsating within the silent rhythm of every heartbeat, every breath. It is the universal language now speaking to all humanity through our gift of life. As we take the time to listen in the silence of our heart, we hear the tones and whisperings of our mother's love, inspired by the wonders of nature and the music of the spheres. Our Mother God is now manifesting her covenant of divine love with the children of Earth, which will enhance our ability to once and for all accept the gift of eternal peace and God's infinite abundance. Through this covenant, the supply of all good things will forever and ever flood into the hands and use of the sons and daughters of God. The glory of God's eternal peace and infinite abundance 
will be a manifest reality, not only in this moment, but far beyond the earth and time into eternity. The effulgence of our newly balanced heart flame is creating an environment of love and upliftment around each of us. When we turn our attention to the balanced expression of our Father, Mother, God within our heart flame, the illusion of separation is shattered. Our hearts are unified and we once again experience the bliss of knowing that we are one and that love is all there is. During this auspicious time, our Mother God is placing each of us within a mantle of her comprehensive divine love. And our nervous systems are being recalibrated to withstand the highest possible frequencies of the divine feminine. Our Father Mother God's newly balanced violet flame in our heart is now penetrating into our atrophied spiritual brain centers. The violet flame is gradually reactivating our pineal, pituitary, and hypothalamus glands and the ganglionic center at the base of our brain. This is allowing our I am presence to open our crown chakra in perfect alignment with our level of consciousness and day by day, humanity is returning to the enlightened state of unity consciousness. At this time, our Mother God's comprehensive divine love is pouring through all of us without designating favor to a particular person, place, condition, or thing. Her love is giving a healing, impersonal benediction to every particle of life. This magnetic love of the Divine Feminine is blessing all life with an equal opportunity to respond. Every person on Earth is being given both the blessing and the responsibility of becoming an open door for our Mother God's comprehensive divine love. Every human being now has the opportunity to become an instrument of God vested with the power to change the feeling worlds of all with whom we come in contact. This will be accomplished not through our human will, but through the balanced power of the flame of divinity that is now pulsating in our heart flame. And so it is. God bless you, dear one. Focus on this information daily and hourly as you breathe the awesome frequencies of our Mother God's comprehensive divine love. Have a glorious December solstice and a sacred heart-based holiday season.
I look forward to being with you next week. Partner is ready to go. He doesn't take cleansing breaths. He doesn't prepare himself corporally to have this, which is an unusual altered state for a human being. To step aside and allow a purity to come through, through the pineal, the portal to the other side, and not prepare for it? And there would be some who would look at it and say, ah, it's proof he's not channeling. And they don't understand. And we've spoken of it so many times and those who who have listened, they already know what I'm going to say. That the human being has the right within their magnificence to meld with spirit to such a degree That you don't turn it on and off anymore. You don't meditate and you turn it on and you turn it off. You're meditating when you're doing the laundry and you're meditating while you're driving your car. Because it's intrinsically part of you. It's instinctual that the peace of God in you would be alive and well 24-7. And that's the invitation. It always has been. We invited my partner to meld with us some years ago. And he did. And we pop in and out of his channeling. And some of you know it. His lecturing is my channeling. Sometime. The energy shifts. And so that explains why when he sits in the chair. There is no reason to adjust. He's already there. And so what I want to present today is different than yesterday. And so I want you to relax, my partner, for there are no lists and there's no minutia and there's no new academic information that sometimes is difficult to translate. It's going to be a summary of sorts and yet not a summary of sorts. I want you to hear something from us. And what is us? What are you hearing right now? It is a consciousness that is supposed to be that from the other side of the veil. And yet we have told you that God does not have a mind. (laughs) Humanity tends to take that which is God and humanize it. Humanity thinks about what would the mind of God say or do and be as though God thinks like humanity. I can't tell you how God thinks because there is no synapse, dear ones. I want to give you information about about you and about us. It's hard to even title this channel. And so I'll wait. There is no mind of God. There is only love. God is love. If you could imagine, not an emotion but a thickness of being, of reality that was multidimensional. 
which means it was unseeable where you could actually measure the vibration of light and hear it in the air. Where the sonorities of it would ring in your multidimensional ears, which you don't really have when you're on the other side of the veil. And it, and it, it imbues you as part of the universe and you don't float and you not you don't have a situation where you are any place you just are you share the very fabric of the actual atomic structure of all that is and yet you have a name and your soul represents a piece and a part of that which is God the piece and the part that can exist in 3D but you don't know who God is. No, really. And so that which is all that is wants to talk to you about you. How do we feel about you? I only can give you your perspective based upon your type of thinking based upon the emotions that you have, the highest of which are compassion and love. And they are poor substitutes for the reality of God. We were there when earth was being prepared. Before any life was on the planet, we were there. It's difficult for you to know that you were too. But the peace of God that you call your soul was with us and is us and still is us. And so everything I say now, you were there too. Watching the planet being formed, knowing absolutely what was going to happen. That the potentials would create life over a long period of time through several starts ending in photosynthesis that would give you that which was the beginning of the evolution of life. And we were there. And we watched humanity develop, not as souls and pieces of God, but simply life. Until it was ready, ready to be seated. And this is where I want you to depart from what you've been told or perhaps the traditions. You're a very new life form, dear human being. A very new life form. The galaxy is old. And through a period of millions of years before you ever awakened to being a human, this process was alive and well in other planets, in other places, with similar tests. There is a reason behind this. All from God, all from God. The creative source, which created the universe, according to some astronomers, biased for life, against all odds, intelligent design. They're seeing it, and they're right. We've told you that you're going to find the double helix structure for DNA everywhere in the galaxy, everywhere. We've told you that when you discover life, and you will, at the microbial level, 
in your own solar system, you'll find DNA. And you'll find that so much of it, so common, it's everywhere. It's the structure of life. This had happened before. And now it was going to happen here on Earth. And we're here. When the creative story occurred, and it's important for you to understand, the creative story is that when the Earth was treated with a beautiful scenario of spiritual choice and duality was given to humanity. You were simply life, precious life before that, but you didn't have a soul. And the timing of it was very recent. 100, 200,000 years done very, very slowly. It corresponds with the creation stories of so many organized spiritual groups. It doesn't mean you have to believe that you came from the stars. It's good enough if you believe that you're part of God and that the creation was part of God and that it was appropriate and beautiful and you were given for the first time spiritual choice. The duality was born. And you can call it whatever you want to. You can call it dark and light and good and bad and evil. It's duality. It's just energy. Free choice to find what is inside that was implanted as God or not. Part of the test of the planet. Not of the test of the human being, the test of energy on the planet. There is a reason for all of this. And the seeds that you have inside given to you beautifully. And what has even been called the Garden of Eden, which is the metaphor for earth. Speak of the magnificence of the creator inside. And therefore, you're born with it that way. And you have the duality so that you can choose what you're going to do with it. Or whether you're going to find it. And then we start to get technical and we talk about the fairness of the test. Your DNA is designed for 100% efficiency and only the masters had it. In order to be a fair test, you'd have to design what degree of efficiency would occur. And so it started at about 50. But in the DNA were all of the attributes for activating 100. So you don't get activated DNA from the sky. You get it from inside through a process which then creates the instructions to be, to be given to your DNA that will allow it to operate better. In other words, you're born with the full package. But the energy of the planet that you have created gives you the efficiency factor. And it started. As Lemurians at 50% or more, you doing a lot more than you are now at 30. 
And humanity started the test. And it balanced itself and it went up and it went down. Finally, it was it was in the 20s. You went through four decision points. And you didn't graduate in any of them. That was your choice. Gaia cooperated with pandemics in some of them, plagues in others. And you had to start over. That's a free choice. This was the fifth one, dear one. Who is an old soul? The ones in the room. Who have awakened and recognized there's more than they've been told. Their intuition gives them some cues, perhaps. Not just that the age is changing or the energy is changing, but maybe they are changing. And it's happening all over the world. Who is an old soul? You could define an old soul, if you want to, as a certain number of lifetimes on the planet. And we're not going to become academic like that. We're just going to say it's the ones who have been here a long time. And so when you awaken, you've been both genders. You've gone through the things that awakened souls go through. You've come into the planet perhaps with a lack of self-worth because of it. We know who you are. And I want to tell you something about, about coming and going. I want to tell you that through all of this process and all of these years, and what you did with duality, all of it, we were there. And there's never been a time where God, the creator, has turned its back on any human. Do you hear me? Or any race or any city or any town or any group any more than you would with your children ever. And yet, in order to manufacture certain kinds of energies, there are those who would tell you, well, God is judgmental. God is the, the mind of a human. God gets disappointed and angry. And that's not love. That's not unconditional love. We're with you as the creative source of the universe, not as a, a, as a tiny deity that gets angry or judgmental or would put you into a place where you would suffer. Do you hear that? We're with you. We're with you. And for all of those lifetimes, no matter what you did with your DNA, no matter what efficiency you decided to have it, we're with you. As I said this morning, it's almost like we were hoping that there'd come a time when you discover that spiritual point and old souls did. You couldn't help it. After hundreds of lifetimes, you would awaken and you'd know there was more than what you'd experienced. And you started to push the envelope of consciousness. And some of you were then the, the, the gurus and the, the shamans and the healers of the day, the, the ones that were branded unusual or even witch-like. You awakened. Oh, we were there. 
Now, let me give you an insight of what you would call the mind of God, dear ones. Because there's a whole lot of covenant going for the old soul. And what you would call death would occur, which is simply a transition of energy. And through a process, you would end up again as part of that beautiful collective, which is the universe. Where I can't explain who you are, because there is no place. There really is no who. We are one, and yet you're individual. What a beautiful system this is. And we've told you there's a party for you, and there is. It's a God party. We can't tell you about it. <laughs> and you start to hear the music again. And it fills every part of the multidimensional love that you are. And it sings to you all the time. It is the song of God. It is done in light and you resound with it and you carry it with you. It's difficult to explain. But in the process of your coming and going, there is dialogue. We talk about synchronicity. We talk about life lessons. Some of you call them contracts and they're not. A contract would indicate that you sign up, never changes, you gotta go through something, no matter how hard it is. It doesn't give any credibility for anything moving or changing. How human. You never realize that everything is changeable, everything. And that's the beauty of your power. You come in with one contract, something happens, you graduate to another. You come in to write one book, you write 18. You come in to write 20, you write two. <laughs> because things happen along the way. You meet people. And they react with you in ways you cannot predict. And it changes them and changes you. And we're there. How many of you feel us? I want just watching. We're part of you. We're there all the time. And you're so compartmentalized that humans did something very interesting with the, with the energy of duality. They gave it names. They gave it energies. They assigned entities to it. They created evil. They created sin and judgment. They created a human, a human thinking God that would then process it all the way a human would. They even have jails that God puts you in between heaven and hell. Does that sound like the love of God? Does that sound like the creative energy of the universe? Does it sound like it? Do you feel that? It's the human brain working the best they can to figure it out. And we're there. You come and you go. Now, in your logic, you might say, well, if we if we have all of this difficulty as an old soul and we go through all of these these machinations of energy and, and, and misunderstanding and burning at the stake and, and being the, the one at the edge of the village nobody ever talks to because the medicine man is great for healing, but don't get next to him because they're weird. It's not a good life. Now, crying, you're saying we go through that over and over and over and every time we come, we want to come back. 
That just doesn't make sense. So let me tell you yet again about our relationship with you. You have our God DNA. The piece of you that is us, you can say it's God DNA. You can't measure it. You can't see it. You're part of the whole. And when you come home and you realize you're part of the universe and this galaxy to a place where you watch the earth form, it changes your perspective. That a lifetime is a blink of an eye. And the puzzle, if you see it being solved, you can hardly wait to go back. And you start to recognize that as an old soul, you are building a lineage, a storehouse of experience that literally stays on the planet through the crystalline grid. And when you come back, it picks up where you left off and you keep going. Avatars for the planet Earth, you become. And every time you come in, that which is Gaia recognizes you, greets you in the cave of creation in a way that I cannot even explain. It's not with the mind of God. It's with love. The purest love you can imagine. It's not even an emotion. Mother, what is the feeling when you look into the eyes of your child on your chest for the first time in their life? What is the feeling? Is it emotion or is it a way of life? <laughs> and the answer is a way of life. It cannot be measured. And that's just a, a tiny bit of who we are. We're always there. We're with you now as you sit in the chair listening to this message. And some of you are realizing this is real. It's not a man in the chair pretending. Because we want to somehow transmit to you how we feel about you. And we can only do it in your terms. And the best thing we can say is we are there all the time. We're there watching when you sleep. We're there watching when you cry and when you laugh. When you're in trouble and when you're with fear, it just doesn't change. We're just always there. The soup of God is absolute. It's there now. We know who's watching and who's in the room and the puzzles they have and the complexities they have and the worries and the fears. How long will they last? What's going on? Why are they uncomfortable? And we're here. It's so interesting for us to watch you turn around and come back into the planet. So many times we spoke about this attribute, the wind of birth. That's our, that's our expression of when you come into the planet, you take your first breath. And your soul fills up and your akash starts to work and all the things. Your DNA takes the measurement of where it's supposed to be, depending upon where Gaia has established it through human consciousness. And you continue. And we've said it before, every woman in the room has experienced battle and every man in the room has given birth. 
And there's so much human experience here. And how do we feel about that? Remember your family. We're not just talking about the corporeal humanity that is here. Do you understand or not that if you're doing it this time around on this planet, you probably did it before on another. Are you aware of that? Do you know that this is what you do? And you didn't look a whole lot different then either. Because DNA is DNA. It forms symmetry and does its job depending upon the gravitational aspects of the planet. Your seed spiritual DNA came from the seven sisters. And we've told you this. You don't have to believe it. It's a cluster of more than nine stars. They look like they're close together from Earth. They're not. It's just how you perceive them. That's why they're the constellation you see in the patterning. As you get closer to them, they don't look that way. From a planet who went through what you did. What if I told you you were there too? How does it make you feel? To know that you haven't always been a human. And to some they'll say, well, it's time to turn off the channel. Because now you cross the line. Have I crossed the line or are you not ready to hear the, the, the majesty that you, that you contain? The magnificence of your decisions to return. And we look at you. When you have that which is the pure love of God about ready to step into this planet and separate into so many parts, keeping some of you on on my side of the veil, some of you in your corporeal body and others in your guide sets. We've explained it. It's so complex. And you look at us and you said, this is important. And in you come. How do we feel about that? How can we love you any more than we do? We're there. Some of you willingly for the lesson that you need to teach others to kick them into a place where they will examine themselves, will come in and die as children. How about that? And I stand and look at you in the wind of the birth and I say, you know, you're going to last for three years and it's not going to be pretty. Because you're going to catch a disease and you're going to die in their arms. And you look and you say, and that is magnificent. Because what they will get out of it is that God will be seen in their hearts. And that although it's a tragedy for humanity, for the first time they will awaken. And from then on, they will have that spiritual attribute. And it's worth it. Now we feel about that. Because we're there. We're not just watching. We're there. We're part of you. How can I. How can I go further? I want to tell you humanity. And anyone who's listening. We are so close to you. All the masters who ever walked the planet. Have told you the same thing. You don't have to die to meet us. We're there. We've always been there. 
And as you now move into a new energy where you're increasing the DNA efficiency and things will begin to occur and old souls will begin to awaken even more, living longer. The glass starts to clear. And how do we feel about that? If I haven't said it before, it's about time. Because finally, the hand that's reached out to you for hundreds of thousands of years, since you ever had duality, you're going to feel it and you're going to see it and you're going to take it and you'll never be the same. And so this would be a good time for that. To awaken to the reality, perhaps, that we are there. That we've always been there. That the mind of God is not the mind of a human being. It's the consciousness of love. In an unconditional passion that will always be awake, watching and loving. Because we're always there. That's the message of the day. It's not filled with, with a lot of new attributes or lists or things to remember. I just want you to leave with one, just one attribute. We're there. <laughs> and when you're within sorrow, we're there. And when you're happy, we're there. I want you to, to melt with that which you call your higher self to such a degree that you can't tell the difference between your meditation and your non-meditation. And I want to tell you, if you get to that state, you're going to watch corporal, corporal changes in you. Things that you didn't expect, including remissions of things. I know who's here. I know what some of you are facing, family, because we're with you. We're here. Now, I'm going to say in a moment that the, that the channel is over. And the human being's tendency is to compartmentalize, compartmentalize everything. And, you, and you're, going to, you're going to look at your watches and your clocks and you're going to make your plans and you're going to walk out of the room. And there's a tendency for saying, well, there's, the channel was nice. And, and you'll say, well, but that energy is over. No, it is not over. I don't even want to say the last words. Because I want to imbue the fact that we are with you to such a degree that when you walk out of the room, there is no difference than when you're sitting here. None. That's what we want. Because we're with you. And we want you to feel it and recognize us so we can walk hand in hand and cure this planet of a low vibration. To bring it to a place where it is ready to say there will never be war again. That a high consciousness would never kill another human being for any reason like that. The whole purpose of humanity would be to live together. To find ways of creating cities without wasting resource. A brand new kind of thinking that will be intuitive eventually to your children. That is what we have seen before. 
That is what some of you have done before. You have a memory, an imprint that is beyond your akash where you did this other places. And now you're doing it again. And so some of you ought to be celebrating. This is happening yet again. And we're there. This is the message of the day. It's the message of the year. It's the message for the rest of your life. And the one after that. And the one after that. And so it is. Greetings, dear ones. I'm Cryon, the Magnetic Service. Everything we describe to you in all of the channelings where we talk about shift and change have to do with the two words, new paradigm. And if you had to define paradigm as we do, it's going to be life. The way things work, all things, not just in one sector or one seeming place that you might be, not just in in spirituality, but everywhere. And if that's the case, dear ones, you're going to see it starting to happen on the planet, and you are. But how about in a practical sense for you? Right now, as you sit in the chair, as you listen, in some cases, read. What's next for you? If you are at a juncture in your life, and it seems like things are different, or perhaps there are decisions that you wish to make, first thing you might ask is, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? To some, there is anxiety for even the simplest things. Because you're on a threshold or at a threshold or part of a threshold that seems odd or feels feels different. And so what the answers normally are to the adult mind is, I am here because of ABC and I will go in a place and do something because it's ABC. In other words, the ABC is known. It's what would be expected of any logical mind that is next for you. What I want to tell you is this. Is that I want you to pause for a moment. If there is a paradigm shift... That means that what you white, white, really are expecting the whiteness of light as opposed to the darkness you've been in, then that, that whiteness is going to create another paradigm. You're moving from one color to another. You're, you're moving from a darker to a lighter. And if you apply that metaphor to consciousness and paradigm, that means you cannot then count on the things you counted on before to be a certain way. And that's good news. Because I'll tell you, the things that happened a certain way in the past 
we're not all that great. So you sit on a threshold and you say, I'll, I'll push here, I'll try this, but that won't work. It hasn't worked in the past. I'll try it anyway. You've already decided what you think may or may not work based upon what others have seen that did or did not work. Maybe it's a time of life for you. Every single human being is part of the clock. It winds in a certain direction, always forward, and produces decision time, whatever that is. Sometimes you might be young and the decision time is when your children are gone. Or maybe the decision time is simply that they're graduating. Or maybe the decision time is that they are entering school. But there are decisions to be made that are different. And what I mean by different is this, is you have to wipe away the expected result of common action. Wipe away the expected result of common action. You know people who have gone through what you're going through, or perhaps have been at this juncture you're at, or will be at. And you want to interview them and say, well, what's the best source? What shall we do next? And what has worked for you? And that is common sense, dear ones, and that is what you would expect. But I'll tell you the difference. You're walking into a place that no one's been. You can get as much advice as you want to, but dear ones, if you're walking in with a consciousness that's wide open and knows these things that I'm telling you, it's all different. And that is the best news I could ever give you. Because the expected things will not necessarily be what you're going to get. Is it time to apply for something? I'm talking to somebody in here. What do you expect? What are the fears that you carry into that next section of where you're going? What have you been told? How many times have I sat in front of you and said that when you go to the doctor, it's almost like it's a judge and a jury and a sentence based upon the past. Good medicine will change. Because the paradigm is different with who you are. And so the doctor may be right for everything that has happened in the past, but not for you. And so what do you do with that? You listen and understand that is an old paradigm that the doctor believes in, and that's not yours. There are so many individuals in the situation like you are in right now. Whether it's an action you must take, a time of life, or perhaps even health. Or I'm going to tell you the slate is clean where you're going. You can write what is going to happen to you. Not expecting what is going to happen. This is the most difficult thing for a human to know. Years and years ago, I gave you a parable called the parable of the missing bridge. 
It was about a man named Woe. It always is a Woe man. <laughs> he was going along a road. And he was about to cross a bridge he had always crossed when he realized it was missing and it was gone. And the temptation at that point in time was to stop, examine what are the alternate routes. But Woe did not, because Woe was a new human. He knows what you know. He knows that the slate is clean. And instead of stopping, he went faster. Knowing that around the corner, there would be something that would tell him what's next. What he didn't expect was around the corner coming into view was a brand new bridge that had been under construction for at least 10 years. It was out of sight and he sailed across it. There are things in the ethers, there ones, if you want to call it that, under construction for you. And if I talk to you in several months or years, you'd laugh and say, I, I didn't believe it. But listen to this. This person came forward. I found this out of the blue. Some say this or that took place. And the only difference is this. You expected it. Blessed is the human being who understands that they are not a victim of the circumstances of the paradigm that used to be earth. And that the very human that you are is instrumental in creating and painting the white that goes where you go. Expect good benevolent change in your life. Not the opposite. Not what people have told you or what has happened to others that you have seen. That was another time, dear one. Mm -hmm. You stand now worthy, magnificent. And God views you in that way. You're a catalyst to the rest of the planet who sees the way you act. No matter what happens next here. No matter what odd thing takes place that you read about or see about, know that you are above it all. And the things that will be attracted to you because you expect them. It's almost like a magnet. It's almost like you're giving an order in a restaurant and here it comes and here it comes and here it comes. And there's so many who have experienced this who I could put on a stage right now and in tears, they will give you the best stories you have ever heard. Of how they're still alive today because they didn't buy in to an old paradigm. Of how they're in control of things they always felt they were out of control in. Of how they've mastered the unmasterable because they took a breath said, I am magnificent. These things and more and better will happen to me. Where are you in this scenario? It's practical. The earth changes. The shift is upon us. We've given you all of these things before. But as you sit in the seat, 
with the things you must do next, I want you to know it's beautiful. Relax, take a breath, and move forward in love, expecting benevolent things in your life. And they'll be there. This is a new paradigm where light is winning, and it may sound odd and unusual and unbelievable. Let it sound that way, but be the one to disprove it. Disprove the old adages that people have told you and instead walk forward. And then tell the people around you the wonderful things that have occurred to you. And when they start asking you why, you can say because it's a new paradigm on this planet where love is beginning to win. There's more. There will be. Always will be. Because of what is going on that's different than even yesterday or the day before. Go from this place having been changed a little by what you heard today. Claim it as your own. And if you do, then there was a reason why Cryon is here. And so it is. And so it is. And we are all servants of peace. We are all servants of peace. Greetings, Mother. We are so happy to see you in the light. In the light. Greetings in the light of the most radiant one. at this time mother for peace all over the world for 
inner standing, overstanding, understanding. Uh, for unconditional divine love, for solutions, peaceful solutions, for abundance, <laughs> and for recognition in our hearts of that inner child that is born every moment and every day. And Merry Christmas, everyone. Pass this talking stick to you, Mother. Here it comes. Greetings, children of Ra. We are in a new moment in this storyline as Master Cryer is saying all the folks are here from dimensions upon dimensions Worlds upon worlds, we are all here, and it is like a feather landing on your head. <laughs> the energies are moving quite rapidly now. All the old stories coming to conclusion. Like he is saying, the time is now. War is over as we choose. Mm -hmm. It's about the war in here. Hmm. Gotta talk to the cells. That's how it stops at the base level. It spans out across light years upon light years. We are a reflection of what's in space. No different. Look at the neurons of your brain. They look like the strands of galaxies upon galaxies. The silence that is pouring forth from all there is. This time 
we're in this new paradigm. Love is the answer. That's why we're in your skies. It's time to have that cup of tea so we can figure stuff out. No more of these ancient war consciousness thoughts. It isn't very extraordinary moment for humanity right now. Universe is with all of us. Rejoice in the midst of the chaos. It will soon cease. That silence of the one hand clapping is what's pouring in as it shifts inside us exponentially goes out. We know time is late on this eve. Yet there is all the time in the world about the message that is coming forth. Love is the answer. You're all done, brother? What can we say crayon <laughs> set it off <laughs> we're just adding whipped cream to the mix <laughs> well I sense something uh, a change of heart amongst many it is happening very it quickly happening. now as people see the fact that violence, negativity, differences of opinion can lead to stressful 
situations. There can be a way of communication that is heart-based like His Holiness Kundun speaks of compassion and love for the situations at hand. It's how we shift this right now. The ability to gift others and share, um, that's what I think about. Yes. Where people are not so poor that they can't, can't think about that. Yes. It's about the wisdom that's pouring forth, how to shift our consciousness into the gloriousness of what abundance is pouring forth from all that is. It is a glorious time to be alive and be here and experience what's unfolding. Like Patty's talking about the level at which we are at in raising consciousness. are more of us that are choosing peace on this planet than war. It is how we join the neighborhood in our local systems and galaxies. And this particular time we are in with this 12, 21, 22, 2012, all the dates, numerology, all comes back to that oneness, the sound of silence. Yes, Ma, Mother, the, the Christmas spirit, um, I can see it merging with Masara. Yes. So we can really keep it. Freedom. Yes. Well, thank you, Mother. 
We know the time is nigh. We better be up on our way. Okay. We've got lots to play. Well, we'll make it. Okay. Greetings. Greetings. And the light of the most radiant one. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai, Shabbat. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai, Shabbat. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai, Shabbat. Iliahu, Iliahu, Iliahu. Yod hey, old hey, Yama. Namaste. Merry Christmas, Mother. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Remember, love is the answer. Love is the answer. Thank you. Yes. Namaste. Oh. Momentito, everybody. Momentito. Where did you go? Mm-hmm. Um, I just re- um, remember being in this emerald green ray of light and lots of trees, forests, big trees, and the sound of wind blowing. Um, Is it cold? Very cold. It's the energy of the beings coming from the north as do they have a message for us as we get our lives in balance the weather becomes in balance as within as without yeah as we get our emotions in balance the elements become in balance too there are so many fluctuations of wild energy goes up and down and well that jet stream has been wobbling for a long many many years now mother and I'm not mother <laughs> oh I'm sorry Rawa 
Yeah, Mama. <laughs> I can just say that the elementals, all the five elements that make up every fabric of life, they are working in unison to change this right now. And we can help them as we send more love to the situations at hand. I pass the talking stick. Thank you, Rama. Welcome, Rama. Welcome so much. Thank you for your service, for all that you've been doing and continue to do, and to everyone. Thank you for your service to keep community spirit alive. Alive. All right. We're going to jump in. Amy's got a few things to say here. Here we go. We've never had a president of the United States stir up a violent attempt to block the transfer of power. I believe nearly two years later, this is still a time of reflection and reckoning. If we are to survive as a nation of laws and democracy, this can never happen again. The House January 6th committee has issued its final report accusing Donald Trump of multi-part conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election, saying he lit the fire for the January 6th insurrection. We'll speak to the nation's John Nichols and Stanford professor Hakeem Jefferson. We can't understand why a mob of white Americans stormed the Capitol to obstruct democracy without understanding perceived threats to white identity and to white power in this country. It is the most uncomfortable truth in America. Then the quest to defuse Guyana's carbon bomb will look at efforts to prevent ExxonMobil from drilling off the shore of Guyana, where more than 11 billion barrels of oil have been discovered. It's crucial to stop ExxonMobil and the government of Guyana from transforming Guyana from a carbon sink, which removes carbon from the atmosphere, and turning Guyana into a five gigaton carbon bomb. All that and more coming up. Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The House Select Committee on the January 6th attack has released its final 845-page report on the insurrection at the Capitol and Donald Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election. The report finds Trump was the central cause of the violence on January 6th and that he or his inner circle engaged in at least 200 apparent acts aimed at overturning state election results. The January 6th committee is recommending Congress consider barring Trump and others involved in the insurrection from ever holding public office again, citing the 14th Amendment. The committee is also calling for reforms to the Electoral College certification process and expanded efforts by the government to combat far-right and white supremacist groups. We'll have more on the January 6th report after headlines. 
the Senate has approved a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending package, setting up a vote in the House of Representatives today ahead of a midnight deadline to avoid a government shutdown. The Senate bill contains a record $858 billion in military spending, about $772 billion for non-military programs. It earmarks $45 billion in emergency assistance to Ukraine. It does not include a child tax credit expansion, Democrats say, would have sharply reduced child poverty and hunger. And ends a pandemic provision that led to record Medicaid enrollment, meaning millions of people will likely be kicked off the public health insurance program this spring. Over 200 million people across the United States are under a winter weather advisory today with the National Weather Service warning of a once-in-a-generation cold weather event ahead of the holiday weekend. Parts of the Midwest have received more than a foot of snow, with millions facing whiteout conditions and life-threatening wind chill advisories. Hundreds of thousands of homes and businesses have lost power. So far, more than 5,600 flights have been canceled due to the storm. Nearly 10,000 flights have been delayed. In Texas, humanitarian aid groups are preparing for freezing weekend temperatures as a growing number of asylum seekers continue to arrive from the U.S.-Mexico border. In El Paso, hundreds of asylum seekers have been forced to sleep on the streets after shelters reach capacity. Others are still stuck in Mexico after the U.S. Supreme Court put a temporary hold on terminating the Trump-era Title 42 pandemic policy used to block over 2 million people from entering the U.S. to seek asylum. Across the border in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, hundreds of people waited in line Thursday despite plummeting temperatures, hoping they'd be allowed into the U.S. This is Chris Marie Rodriguez, a Venezuelan national who journeyed to the U.S.-Mexico border with her family. We who have families and want to provide for our children cannot enter the United States. We are at Christmas. Many are sharing with their families. Others, like us, are far from our families and our children are having a hard time. There's December 24th and you don't know where they're going to sleep. Arizona's Republican Governor Doug Ducey has reached an agreement with the federal government to dismantle his illegal makeshift U.S.-Mexico border wall built with double-stacked shipping containers and razor wire. Ducey's administration has spent over $80 million on the project since August, which he said was needed to fill in the gaps left by former President Trump's incomplete border wall. Ducey has until January 4th to remove the barrier one day before he leaves office. To see our coverage of this story, go to democracynow.org. In Afghanistan, a group of women took to the streets of Kabul Wednesday to protest the Taliban's ban on women and girls attending universities. Taliban forces arrested five protesters and three journalists. Some of the women said they were beaten by security forces. Guards also prevented hundreds of women from entering their colleges a day after the ban was announced. This is Mariam a student at Kabul University who was turned away from her campus Wednesday. 
When I got close to the university, I saw a strange environment. Taliban Humvees were parked at the entrance gate, and the Taliban were behaving so badly, telling us, return to your homes. Girls have no right to study anymore. This situation has a very bad impact on every female student. Dozens of male university professors have resigned to protest the ban, and some male students reportedly refuse to take their exams. Meanwhile, a new report finds the U.S. unlawfully failed to compensate foreign workers who suffered injuries or death while working for the U.S.-led coalition in Afghanistan. Tens of thousands of foreign workers from countries including Nepal and the Philippines supported the U.S. military, working as guards, cooks, and construction workers. In Ukraine, a Russian-installed local official in the occupied Kherson region has been killed in a car bomb explosion. Video posted on social media shows the vehicle containing Andrei Stepa and one other person engulfed in flames Thursday. Russian news sources blame the blast on Ukrainian saboteurs. Elsewhere, the former head of the Russian space agency, Dmitry Rogozin, said Thursday he was injured by shrapnel and required surgery after Ukrainian shells hit a hotel where he was staying in Donetsk. Elsewhere, Ukrainian authorities in the eastern city of Kramatorsk said Russian missiles flattened an empty boarding school. Nearby residents say the attack blew out the windows of their apartments. I was in the balcony. There was a massive explosion. I could not tell where it came from. Then there was a second strike. The school caught on fire and smoke was rising over it. The entire yard was full of smoke and ashes. Power poles were damaged and the power went out. In Moscow, President Vladimir Putin Thursday used the word war to describe Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It's the first time he has strayed from publicly calling the conflict a special military operation. Our goal is not to spin this flywheel of a military conflict, but on the contrary, to end this war. This is what we are striving for. Putin's remarks follow the arrest of anti-war Russians who face fines and up to 10 years in prison for calling the conflict a war instead of a military, a special military operation. The Chilean government's announced plans to open an embassy in the Israeli-occupied Palestinian territories. Chile's President Gabriel Boric made the announcement Wednesday during a ceremony in the capital Santiago hosted by the Palestinian community. We're going to upgrade Chile's official representation in Palestine from the charge of affairs we have today to an embassy we will open during our term. To give the representation it deserves and demand that international rights simply be respected. Over 300,000 Palestinians are estimated to be living in Chile, many with roots in the occupied West Bank and Bethlehem. The video sharing platform TikTok has revealed some of its workers track two reporters who cover the company gaining access to their IP addresses and user data. One journalist was from the Financial Times, the other wrote for BuzzFeed and now works at Forbes. Forbes says at least two more of its reporters were targeted for surveillance, which was undertaken as part of an internal investigation into leaks at the company. ByteDance, the Chinese parent company of TikTok, says it did not approve the spying tactics and 
fire the worker who led the effort. This comes as the U.S. Senate Thursday passed a provision banning TikTok on most U.S. government devices. Some lawmakers have been fighting to ban the hugely popular app altogether amidst ongoing tensions between Washington and Beijing, saying it poses a national security and privacy risk. Here in New York, Republican Congressmember-elect George Santos has broken his silence over a New York Times investigation that found he misrepresented key parts of his background and finances. On Thursday, Santos tweeted, I have my story to tell, and it will be told next week, unquote. In the latest revelation of Santos' apparent fabrications, the Jewish outlet The Forward reports Santos lied about his grandparents fleeing anti-Jewish persecution during World War II. The Forward reports genealogy website shows Santos' maternal grandparents were born in Brazil, not Ukraine or Belgium, as his campaign website stated. On Wednesday... Incoming House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries accused Santos of hiding from legitimate questions about his resume. At this moment, we need answers from George Santos. He appears to be a complete and utter fraud. His whole life story made up. We'll talk more about him after headlines. And Charlene Alexander Mitchell, freedom fighter and fierce defender of civil and human rights, has died at the age of 92. Mitchell helped lead the fight to free Angela Davis and other political prisoners. A member of the Communist Party, Charlene Mitchell became the first black woman to run for U.S. president in 1968. She passed away last week here in New York City. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The House Select Committee on the January 6th attack released its final 845-page report late Thursday night on the insurrection at the Capitol and Donald Trump's attempt to overturn the 2020 election. The report states, quote, the central cause of January 6th was one man, former President Donald Trump whom many others followed. None of the events of January 6th would have happened without him. The report goes on to state, quote, the select committee estimates in the two months between the November election and the January 6th insurrection, President Trump or his inner circle engaged in at least 200 apparent acts of public or private outreach, pressure, or condemnation targeting either state legislators or state or local election administrators to overturn state election results. The report is based on a year and a half investigation that included over 1,000 interviews. The House Select Committee is urging Congress to consider barring Trump and other people involved in the insurrection from holding public office, citing the 14th Amendment. The January 6th committee is also calling for reforms to the Electoral College certification process and expanded efforts by the government to combat far-right and white supremacist groups who played a key role in the January 6th insurrection. The report documents how many of the first rioters to break into the Capitol on January 6th were members of the Proud Boys, three percenters, believers of the QAnon conspiracy theories, and other white nationalists. The report was was issued Thursday night, three days after the House Select Committee voted to refer Donald Trump to the Justice Department for criminal prosecution. 
to talk more about the January 6th report, we're joined by John Nichols, the nation's national affairs correspondent in a very cold Wisconsin. Welcome to Democracy Now!, John. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you with us. Well, why don't you start off by responding to the report? It came out last night about 10 o'clock Eastern. Um, but if you can talk about what you've assessed so far, uh, most surprised you, what's most significant about it? Well, it is a significant report. There's simply no question, Amy. It, uh, it is very long. It has an immense amount of detail. And I think one of the most striking things is the clarity with which this report says what uh, Committee Chair Benny Thompson has been saying since the start of their public hearings, and that is that this was a coup attempt and that Donald Trump was at the center of it. The report comes back to this again and again and again, I think seeking to make uh, it clear to the American people, but also to the Department of Justice, that uh, this is not a... a, a, a issue, that, that the information that they drew from their witnesses, uh, clearly that, that I mean, in the report, is that the recommendations that they've made, which are way late in the report, you have to read, you've got to go through about 680 pages to get to the recommendations as regards policy, because so much of the focus has been on personality. But when you get to policy, the report, the recommendations are actually relatively limited. Um, they do talk about the Electoral Count Act reforms, which I appear to be moving through Congress pretty well at this point. They also talk, I think most importantly, about uh, Amendment 14, Section 3, and that is the section of the Constitution which allows uh, someone who participated in or supported an insurrection to be barred from holding office. And I think one of the most striking things in the report is a clear argument that Congress should take steps to clarify uh, and then come back and clear up your audio. Um, John Nichols is the nation's national affairs correspondent. His recent piece for the magazine is headlined, The January 6th Committee Just Put Kevin McCarthy in Charge of an Investigation into Kevin McCarthy. Stay with us. <laughs>
by the pretenders. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman as we continue to look at the final report put out by the January 6th Select Committee saying Donald Trump is responsible for this insurrection, that without him it would not have taken place. John Nichols, Nation's National Affairs Correspondent. John, why don't you take it from where you left off? But I just want to be clear, in Madison, Wisconsin, where you are, is it true? Is it true it's 31 degrees Fahrenheit below zero? That's the wind chill. Uh, I think the uh, the actual below zero is three to five below, but then the wind, we've got 40 mile an hour winds, so it, it is taken us uh, down to about 30, 35 below. So I want to say we were going to have, for this very important day, John Nichols in a studio in Madison, but even the studio said they were simply going to be closed. Um, that too much. I mean, they just everyone is frozen out. Well, John, um, this late-breaking story of, uh, of the report, yes, ever late. It was supposed to be a few days before, but it did come out last night. I'm sure they were desperately trying to get it out before uh, Congress um, uh where before Congress um, ended for this year, not clear what will happen with the change of uh, House from Republic from Democratic to Republican leadership. But continue with what you were saying. Sure. What I was saying is that um, the the report focuses primarily on the personalities on Donald Trump and the other people we've heard mentioned a lot. But as you get toward the end of the report, and I think page six eighty nine. They have their recommendations, and their recommendations are important uh, because it's really the policies that come out of this that ultimately will protect us from future incidents like January 6, 2021. And what they propose is a which is moving through Congress now. It looks like that may actually happen. Uh, they also propose uh, taking steps that will allow to have much more clarity as regards Article 14, Section 3 of the Constitution, which says that a office holder who supports an insurrection or gives aid and comfort to an insurrection or participates in an insurrection uh, can be barred from office. And so they want to give clarity of that, to that so that Congress can act on that issue in the future. Now, all of this takes us back, Amy, to the reality that this Congress, particularly this Senate, failed. Uh, back in February of 2021, uh, in the impeachment process. Had Donald Trump been convicted by the Senate, then we would have had clarity on, on these issues at that point. Because that didn't happen, now we have a series of recommendations, which in some ways are an admission that uh, Congress doesn't think that the impeachment process probably will ever work, so they want to have another vehicle to bar those who participate in insurrections. The final thing I'll mention as regards the recommendations, and it's a disappointment on my part, is that the committee did not make a clear statement that the Electoral College should be abolished. Because the fact of the matter is that the Electoral College is the root of a lot of these problems. This you know, convoluted you know, mess of a system uh, which has you know, the votes being counted at certain points and then transferred to Congress and all that created the real opening for Donald Trump and his allies uh, to do the things that they did. And, and I think that while abolishing the Electoral College would be difficult, it's something that clearly the committee should have recommended. They did make recommendations, but did not go that far, John. Can you explain That's what right. those recommendations are? Well, it, it, as regards the Electoral Count Act, as regards the um, 
the clarity on 14.3. And then there's a number of other recommendations, Amy, within uh, this list for just simply making the processes of Congress work more effectively as regards oversight. Um, and so there, there are a, a, a solid set of recommendations, but not a bold set of recommendations, to my view. They also dealt with a number of issues. For example, they said that the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, um, said, why are we allowing the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers to be there? This was days before for the January 6th protest, uh, but he'd not get support in what he had to say. Uh, you have um, Cassidy Hutchinson um, and her lawyer. Um, Cassidy Hutchinson was then out of work. She was asked to uh, speak before the committee. And her lawyer um, was given to her by, as she put it, Trump world, Stefan Passantino. And he told her um, that she should simply say, don't recall. She did that apparently the first time around, and she uh, testified before um, the staff several times she was questioned, and then came out and said, I feel like I'm lying. Um, actually, it's interesting. The latest news is that Stefan Passantino has, is on um, leave from his law firm, and many legal experts are saying, um, as a message to other lawyers like Passantino, is that if you interfere in this way. This is literally um, <clears throat> witness tampering and that you can go to jail. Right. Look, um, this report is incredibly detailed and it does in fact look at a lot of the issues as regards the attempts by former President Trump and his allies to thwart this investigation. Uh, and you can understand why. At the heart of this report, uh, and at the heart of what the committee has done are recommendations that Trump be prosecuted and that his close, some of his closest allies be prosecuted. So that, I think they knew from the start that this was where the whole process was headed, and they wanted to undermine and, and weaken that process. And so the report goes into a lot of detail on that, and some of that may well uh, turn out to be significant as regards uh, future prosecutions and future action by the Justice Department. But I would counsel, Amy, there's a, there's a significant aspect of this that we should be conscious of. This report is really a roadmap. It is a roadmap as regards what the Department of Justice might do. It is also a roadmap as to what Congress might do. It is not a certainty by any means. Uh, there is a lot, there are still a lot of open areas uh, and open questions within the report that effectively the committee says, well, the Department of Justice is going to have to go deeper on this. They're going to have to explore this more thoroughly. They're going to have to ask more questions. And so I think people should be very cautious about assuming that simply because this report has been released with its recommendations to the Department of Justice and to Congress, that we are necessarily going to have a, a true moment of accountability. Again, I keep coming back to this point. The moment of accountability should have been back with impeachment uh, in February of 2021. And, and you and I talked a lot about impeachment before that. Uh, and, and I remember I was in Madison on uh, January 6th when, when things occurred. And because I'd written so much about impeachment, my phone started ringing off the hook. And, and I really you know, did, I think, believe for a few days there that it was possible we'd have the accountability moment as it was intended. Instead, what we ended up with is this long 
very slow process of trying to find a route to accountability. And I would emphasize, we're still not there. And talk about Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> well, Kevin McCarthy is uh, obviously in this report in a significant way. Uh, both they describe how he sought to thwart the committee's work initially, and then they also talk about how he refused to cooperate with the committee. And there's been a recommendation to the uh, House Ethics Committee that they examine Kevin McCarthy's actions uh, for potential penalties. The problem with that is that this report comes so late in the current Congress that any action on it will take place in the next Congress. And the next Congress will likely be led, led by Kevin McCarthy. He will then appoint the five Republican members of the Ethics Committee, one of whom will serve as chair of the committee. Oh. So we end up in a situation where Kevin McCarthy is effectively overseeing his own oversight. Oh. And it's really one of the messes as regards how the House Ethics Committee works. Mm. Um, we're going to step aside from the January 6th report for a minute to talk about George Santos. Uh, he is the new Congress member elect from Long Island. Republican would be the first openly gay congressman if he's even telling the truth about that. Because so much we do not know about who this man is, including possibly his name. He's just put out on Twitter, I'll have my story to tell, I'm gonna tell it next week. This is the latest um, news that we have um, um, revelation of Santos' apparent fabrications, the Jewish forwards reporting Santos lied about his grandparents fleeing anti-Jewish persecution during World War II. The forward reports genealogy website shows Santos's gr maternal grandparents were born in Brazil, not Ukraine or Belgium, as he said. On Wednesday, the incoming House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, accused Santos of hiding from legitimate questions about his resume. Now, to be clear, that's just the latest revelation of what wasn't true. Um, also, what's not true is that he said he uh, presided over a 501c3 nonprofit, an animal rescue group. Um, the IRS says they have no record of that group, Friends of Pets United. He said uh, he graduated from Baruch College. Uh, Baruch College said they have no record of him. Um, also, that he worked at Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. Both said uh, they have no record of him there. It is not even clear we know what his real name is, John Nichols. And this is the second time he's won, for, he's run. First time uh, he won. He was also at the January 6th insurrection in Washington. Look, there's a, you're putting a lot on the table here. And uh, all of it points to a, a really significant issue with this uh, representative-elect. Here's the thing to understand, first off, and that is this is a big deal because the Republican majority in the House of Representatives is so narrow, so small, that if Representative-elect Santos is, uh, decides not to take his seat, uh, is in some ways is forced not to take his seat or whatever, that would obviously require a lot of action by Congress, um, then you reduce that Republican majority. So it's a big deal actually toward the governance of, of the country in the coming term. But as regards Santos, I think the thing that, that really is important here is there'll be an immense amount of focus on the man and on his uh, apparent uh, you know, difficulties with the truth. What's troublesome to me is that this story is being told now. This is someone who has run for Congress twice uh, and who has run for Congress and been elected 
in one of the, in the biggest media center in the world. This is a place, New York City and surrounding New York City, uh, where you have you know, all sorts of media outlets, and yet he was not properly vetted. And it really speaks to the collapse of political journalism in the 21st century. Uh, there is a lot of coverage to Washington, but there is too little coverage of what's happening down at the congressional district level and in our communities across the country. In my view, it's really a collapse of journalism story. And this latest uh, was an expose in the New York Times of who he was, though the man he ran against, Zimmerman, said that he was continually raising these issues on the campaign trail. John Nichols, the nation's national affairs correspondent, speaking to us from an extremely cold Madison, Wisconsin. We'll link to your piece. The January 6th committee just put Kevin McCarthy in charge of an investigation into Kevin McCarthy. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org. We're continuing to look at the new January 6th report which details how white supremacist groups played a key role in the insurrection. But the report says little about the role of racism in what happened. In fact, the word racism appears only once in the report. The committee chair, Benny Thompson, writes in his introduction, quote, I believe most Americans will turn their backs on those enemies of democracy, but some will rally to the side of the election deniers. And when I think about who some of those people are, it troubles me deep inside. White supremacists, violent extremists, groups that subscribe to racism, anti-Semitism, and violent conspiracy theories, those who would march through the halls of the Capitol waving the Confederate battle flag, Thompson wrote. Well, to talk more about the January 6th report, we're joined now by Hakeem Jefferson, an assistant professor at Stanford University, faculty affiliate with the Center for Comparative Study in Race and Ethnicity and the Center for Democracy Development and the Rule of Law. We welcome you to Democracy Now! It's great to have you with us, Professor Jefferson. Talk about what you feel has not been adequately addressed here when it comes to Donald Trump's leading the insurrection and the insurrection direction itself. Thank you so much uh, for having me, Amy. It's a real honor to be here. Uh, when I wrote my initial piece about January the 6th, the day of the insurrection, I wrote that piece because I worried so much that what would get lost in the shuffle as we talked about this spectacular event was the role of race and racism. Uh, it's striking the image of Benny Thompson as the chair of the January 6th committee, a Southern black man leading the charge to investigate uh, the insurrection. Uh, and it's not surprising that it is in his opening remarks of the report that we see the word racism emerge. We see him telling the story about an insurrection that has far deeper roots uh, than simply the fact that Donald Trump uh, wanted to hold on to power. And so what I worried would get lost in the shuffle and what I think the, enough people haven't attended to is how much the insurrection reflects these deep resentments and this sort of a longstanding grievance that so many white Americans have when they worry and are anxious about what they perceive to be a precarious hold on power. Put simply, uh, those who stormed the Capitol, as I wrote uh, in a piece for 538, the day of the insurrection, they didn't merely come in defense of Donald Trump. They came in defense of white supremacy and white Americans hold on power. And in 
and a hold on power that is that is not uh, in competition with other racial groups. Uh, Professor Jefferson, we're speaking to you actually in Sumter, South Carolina. Benny Thompson, of course, represents Mississippi, the committee chair. Um, if you can talk more about uh, who these groups are, uh, you know, I just asked John Nichols about uh, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Millie, um, saying he was saying, why are these guys, the Proud Boys, um, why are the Oath Keepers, why are they even allowed to be there? Uh, also, you know, there was word that many people were armed. If you could comment on this. Yeah, I mean, these are far-right extremist groups. Uh, the Proud Boys sort of outwardly uh, say that they're not a white supremacist group. They've engaged, however, in activities that align with white supremacist and white nationalist ideologies. These are groups that hold uh, a kind of mantle of traditional masculinity. Uh, they wield a kind of conservatism and traditionalism uh, that hold up the mantle of Western uh, values. Uh, these are groups uh, who you don't need a PhD to understand their ideology. These are groups that are really okay with a kind of racial hierarchy in this country, uh, want to sustain a kind of hierarchy where white men are empowered. Uh, and Donald Trump embodied the values of these groups. We will recall that he said to stand by, stand down and stand by. Uh, to these groups. He made no secret of his at least tacit allegiance with the ideologies that these groups trust. And so when January 6th comes, it's no surprise that leading the charge, uh, and I mean that literally, leading the charge to uh, uh, obstruct democracy were members of these groups who had planned for some time in Reddit groups and in other dark places of the internet uh, had planned the insurrection, had talked about violence, had talked about uh, uh, killing Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence if he didn't uh, do his duties that day as they saw fit. And so these are groups who had long held these ideologies, who on the day of the insurrection led the charge, and who is only if not for luck that we had that day, would have carried out, I think, even more violence uh, in service of protecting and defending Donald Trump's legacy, but also in holding up the mantle of white supremacy and white nationalism. Can you talk about Benny Thompson being chair of the select committee that is trying to hold President Trump to account. Benny Thompson of Mississippi, who often requotes um, the late great John Lewis talking about good trouble versus Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, it is such a visual, a striking visual to see and what is uh, one of the most powerful committees that the Congress has ever had. Uh, this Southern black man who speaks with a Southern drawl, who can talk about racism, not merely because he studied it, but because he lived it in the American South. Uh, and to have him lead this committee where race and racism uh, were at the fore, if only because 
we were forced to engage with the real power and politics of Benny Thompson and imposing uh, a soft-spoken uh, black man who I think uh, will go down in the history books as having led uh, a committee that did uh, really important work. And so I am, as you noted, uh, currently in Sumter, South Carolina, a place that has its own racial history. Uh, and I think Benny Thompson brought that history within that history of, of race and racism and the American South to his duties as chair of this committee. And as I noted earlier, it's not striking that the one time, it's not surprising, I should say, that the one time that racism is mentioned in the report is by Benny Thompson, a person who saw, I think, Donald Trump uh, for for exactly who he is, uh, a political elite sort of uh, uh, showered in privilege, uh, showered in a sense of entitlement, uh, and and showered in a sense of of whiteness and of, of white supremacy, uh, a sense that people like him should wield power in this country. And I don't think that was lost on, on Benny Thompson. And I think that comes through rather clearly in those remarks that you shared with us from his opening comments and in, in the report. In this last moment we have, you are a professor. How do you want this historical moment to be remembered and to be taught? And what you want to come out of this with now the House Committee referring criminal charges against Donald Trump to the Justice Department? I, I think that as I reflect on, on this moment and, and what I've told my students and as I've written elsewhere is that uh, we, would, we would be missing something really important if what we left uh, this moment with was just the sense that this really spectacular event happened on January the 6th, that, that it was something unique uh, that happened that day. Instead... I think what we should take from this moment is something that I wrote uh, with Victor Ray again at 538, which is that moments of progress in this country are often met uh, with moments of backlash. Uh, that backlash, white backlash in particular, is a racial reckoning too, as Victor and I wrote. And so I think what I want people to leave this moment thinking about is what are those other instances of racial backlash uh, that we've experienced in this country or are experiencing in this country? Republican attacks on the right to vote, a racial backlash, the kind of racial violence that we've seen in corners across the country, uh, that's a, a racial backlash to the sort of daily workings against democracy, uh, particularly those advanced by the Republican Party, we should see those in the same vein that we see the spectacular attack on January the 6th. This is a racial backlash. This is about a racial ordering and a racial hierarchy. It is about power. Uh, it is about the maintenance of group status. It is about the defense of whiteness. And, and that has a long through line in American history that comes in spectacular form on January the 6th, but manifests 
and more mundane and gratuity ways every day in American life. And I think that's the lesson of this moment that shouldn't be lost on any of us. Hakeem Jefferson, we want to thank you for being with us. Assistant Professor Stanford University Faculty Affiliate at Stanford Center for Comparative Study in Race and Ethnicity and the Center for Democracy Development and the Rule of Law, speaking to us from Sumter, South Carolina. Coming up, the quest to defuse Guyana's carbon bomb. We'll look at efforts to prevent ExxonMobil from drilling off the shore of Guyana, where more than 11 billion barrels of oil have been discovered. Back in 30 seconds. Now.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman as we end today's show looking at the quest to defuse Guyana's carbon bomb. That's the title of a new piece in Wired magazine by investigative journalist Antonia Yuhas, which details an effort to block ExxonMobil from drilling off the shore of Guyana, where more than 11 billion barrels of oil have been discovered. Guyana is a coastal nation on the North Atlantic coast of South America. It shares a border with Venezuela, Brazil, and Suriname. Critics of the plan say the drilling could be a disaster for Guyana and the world as the climate emergency intensifies. Today, Guyana is considered to be a carbon sink thanks to its dense rainforests and low emissions. But if Exxon has its way, Guyana could soon become what's known as a carbon bomb. We're joined by two guests. Melinda Janke is Guyanese environmental lawyer based in Georgetown, Guyana, who helped draft many of Guyana's national environmental laws, including Guyana's Environmental Protection Act. She filed a landmark lawsuit against Exxon and the Guyanese government in May 2021 to stop the offshore oil drilling. We're also joined by longtime award-winning investigative journalist Antonia Yuhas, author of the cover story of Wired, The Quest to Defuse Guyana's Carbon Bomb. Antonia, talk about why you felt this was so important to bring to the world. Yeah, thank you, Amy, and thanks so much for having me. And good morning to Melinda Janke in Georgetown. Um, this is just such a critically important case. It's a landmark lawsuit that Melinda has launched against Exxon's operations in Guyana. And these are brand new operations. Exxon started producing in 2019, making Guyana one of the few countries in the world when the rest of the world or much of the world is trying to get off of fossil fuels. Guyana is one of the few countries that's entering a 
anew into the fossil fuel era and in a really big way, um, if Exxon has any say in it. Exxon wants to produce by 2030 one million barrels of oil a day offshore Guyana, and that would make Guyana its single largest source of daily oil production anywhere in the world. 2030 is also the year that much of coastal Guyana, Georgetown, where Melinda is joining us from and where uh, the coastal area where 90 percent of the population lives, is expected to be underwater because of the unchecked um, advance of the climate crisis. And what Melinda has done, and she, of course, will talk about it, is launch a historic um, climate and human rights lawsuit to stop those operations, hopefully to try and stop them before they advance too far. And as you say, become one of the world's leading potential carbon bombs, um, operations that are capable of releasing um, so many emissions that they are disastrous, over a gigaton of emissions um, to the global climate and to um, Guyana itself. And these operations are also critically important to Exxon. It's hard to overstate how important they are to Exxon, which is also why this lawsuit is so important to be coming from um, the global south. 70% of climate lawsuits are from the United States, 90% are from the global north. So to have a country that's experiencing some of the worst impacts of climate change about to become one of the largest energy producers also launch this historic lawsuit that can become a precedent to try and stop those operations is just so important that I wanted to help bring this story uh, to a broader audience. So let's go to Melinda Janke, uh, the Guyanese international environmental lawyer based in Georgetown, Guyana. Now, you have drafted many of Guyana's national environmental laws, including Guyana's Environmental Protection Act of 1996. Now you are suing Guyana and ExxonMobil. Um, talk about why you launched this suit last year, what it means currently that Guyana is a carbon sink, and what this would do to your country. Amy, thank you very much. It's an honor to be on your program, and warm greetings to you and your audience around the world. This lawsuit was launched last year essentially to challenge the fossil fuel build-out offshore Guyana, and we argue that it is unconstitutional because it violates the constitutional right to a healthy environment. And this is actually a, a very different sort of case because we're treating climate change as the symptom. We're going right to the heart of the problem, and we're saying that fossil fuels produce greenhouse gas, and greenhouse gas pollution is the problem that is causing climate change, rising sea levels, which Antonio mentioned, will have a devastating impact on Georgetown, the capital, the capital city, and fossil fuel, the greenhouse gas pollution from fossil fuels is also making the ocean more acid. As you mentioned, we're a coastal nation, and we're already seeing an impact. We once had um, a, a very viable shrimp industry now when you go into the shops you you're buying shrimp from that's coming from places like vietnam we argue that what's happening here is is destroying the right to a healthy environment in the environmental protection act that you um uh pushed to establish the concept of natural capital what does that mean melinda 
It's very simple. Traditionally, economists treat the natural world as if it has no value. So, for example, uh, standing forest is considered to be worthless. But if you cut it down and turn it into lots, then economists will tell you that now you have something that has value. Natural capital says the exact opposite. It says that the forest has a value in itself. And of course, this makes sense because we can't live without the natural world. And I lobbied very hard some time ago for a change to the Constitution, which is in there in Article 36, which actually states that preserving clean air, fertile soils, pure water, and the rich diversity of plants and animals and ecosystems, that's what the well-being of the nation depends on. And that is critical because at the end of the day, we're not going to eat oil, we're not going to drink oil. We, our survival as people, in fact, our survival as a species depends on the natural world. And that is one of the reasons that it has to be taken into account and it has to have a value as a pushback against this crazy mentality that the natural world has no value until you convert it to numbers in a spreadsheet. So that guarantee, um, the right to a healthy environment for present and future generations, you have pushed for in the Constitution, it's in the Constitution, it's enshrined there. So what has been Guyana's response to the lawsuit, not to mention ExxonMobil? You've sued them both. So the, the government's response has been to say roughly that the Constitution does provide for sustainable development and Guyana has a right to develop, and they have pointed out that Guyana has been a minuscule, very tiny contributor to climate change. The case was originally filed against the Attorney General, who is the representative of the state, because what we're saying is that the state is violating the right to a healthy environment. That is the basis of the case. The judge added ExxonMobil to the case, and Exxon's approach is to say that the main testimony should be struck out, because in, the, in that testimony by Dr. Troy Thomas, one of the litigants, he sets out the impacts of greenhouse gas pollution on the environment. So the so climate change, rising sea level, ocean acidification, a warmer ocean, etc. All of these things, which I'm sure that the audience is extremely familiar with. ExxonMobil says that these things are not facts, but that they are matters of um, scientific opinion, and that since Dr. Thomas is not a scientific expert, he cannot give, he cannot make those statements, and they have applied to strike out his testimony. We have responded by filing an affidavit saying that these, the impacts of fossil fuels, the impact of greenhouse gas pollution is so well known that it is no longer capable of being disputed. And can you talk about the World Bank, the involvement of the World Bank in Guyana and the production of fossil fuels, Melinda Janke? Yes, the World Bank has been very strongly in favor of Guyana converting um, to producing fossil fuels. 
The World Bank, in fact, in the 1980s, was behind the legislation that established a petroleum. They established the petroleum legislation. The World Bank has lent money to Guyana to get ready for fossil fuel production. The grant, the arrangement between the World Bank and it was illegal because it was made with with someone. Uh, who was not the finance minister at the time because the government had had lost a no-confidence motion, so there were no ministers. Nevertheless, the World Bank went ahead and signed the agreement and advanced the money. The World Bank has the World Bank project, with the full knowledge of the World Bank, hired lawyers who represent ExxonMobil to alter Guyana's laws, including... Um, the World Bank wanted to dismantle the Environmental Protection Act. They said that it was out of date. What? Now, this is legislation which requires requires companies to state the impact of their actions on all aspects of the environment, including the climate, the atmosphere, and the ocean. How on earth can the World Bank argue with any credibility that this is out of date? And it was done at a time when we know that the fossil fuel industry was lying about the impact on climate change, these provisions were put into the legislation in 1996, and yes, they were drafted by me. The result of that is that all companies in there, all oil companies in particular, and ExxonMobil, they have to say what is the impact of their scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. And that, perhaps, is what the World Bank is upset about. The World Bank is also encouraging Guyana to do gas um, and to take gas and convert Guyana to gas instead of renewable energy. We have a serious problem at the moment because ExxonMobil is flaring billions of cubic feet of gas offshore Guyana. They have said it is because they are using faulty equipment. The Guyana government is now proposing to take that gas and use it for energy. And because this is not financially viable, the, the Guyana government is hoping that the U.S. Exim Bank will lend the money to enable them to do it. And all of this is being done, of course, with the, with the encouragement of the World Bank and is co completely contrary to the World Bank's own policies. It is contrary to the Paris Agreement, which says that financing flows should now be aligned with the Paris Agreement and keeping the temperature below 1.5. And we would argue that it is also incompatible with national law for the Guyana government to do this on many different grounds, not simply the uh, violation of the right to a healthy environment. Let me ask Antonio Yuhas, um, could Guyana cope with a massive oil spill like the one triggered by the BP Deepwater Horizon in the Gulf of Mexico? Um, you wrote the book Black Tide, the devastating impact of the Gulf oil spill. And it's just so interesting to be talking to you both about this now as the people of the United States, to say the least, um, are experiencing what is being called a climate bomb, a once in a generation. Um, cold um, level of cold and snow that has not been experienced here in a long time, Antonia. 
Yeah, well, while Melinda wrote incredibly good um, environmental provisions into Guyana's laws and constitution, um, Guyana absolutely does not have anything close to the capacity to regulate and oversee um, deep water, highly technologically complex offshore drilling. The United States didn't have the capacity to do it. We had the worst offshore drilling oil spill in history in our waters. Guyana definitely doesn't have the capacity to do it. So we will certainly hope and pray that nothing of that scale happens. But if it does, the devastation uh, would be extreme, just as it was in the U.S. Gulf Coast. Um, but adding to what Melinda said, you know, one of the many important things that Melinda did was put into place the right to a healthy environment guaranteed for current and future generations. We have the United Nations followed yeah. suit. And now the world has the opportunity to implement that right. And what Exxon really doesn't want is for us to regulate and hold them to account for all of their emissions from the production to consumption of emissions. And that's their biggest fear with this case is that that's what they're going to be held to. And we can all uh, support Melinda in hoping that that outcome uh, comes to pass. We want to thank you both so much for being with us. And of course, we'll continue to follow this story. Investigative journalist Antonia Yuhas will link to your new Wired article, The Quest to Defuse Guyana's Carbon Bomb, and Melinda Janke, Guyanese environmental lawyer who has sued Exxon and Guyana. I'm donating to Free Speech TV.
everybody. Uh, I, I I know who you're all wanting to uh, sing tonight, so without further ado, old friends <laughs> sat on their park bench like bookends. to Homeward Bound, a Grammy salute to the songs of Paul Simon. And the songs of Paul Simon really are like old friends. And back when I was in college, uh, I was obsessed with Paul Simon. I, well, I still am. I don't want to admit it to him. He's sitting right there. Uh, but, you know, I used to sing that song, Old Friends, over and over, and then that album I was listening to on my record player, everybody's running around partying, and I'm just like, lonely. <laughs> Sad, you know, tw 20 years old, lonely. And uh, I guess it was just uh, the, the beauty and the message and feeling like that Paul understands me. It made me feel a little less lonely. Because that is what great songs can do. And Paul Simon, I mean, let's face it, he has written a lot of great songs. That's why tonight the Recording Academy is honoring my friend, Paul. Yeah. And that's why we're here to sing Paul's praises and sing his songs. And it's because, because Paul Simon is one of the greatest and truest poets in music history. You're not supposed to be making me laugh, dude. Uh, but here's to you, old friend. Here's to you, Paul Simon. And now three much younger friends of Paul, the Jonas Brothers.
That's this little commercial.
Every glove has laid him down, cut him till he cried out in his anger and his shame. I'm leaving, yes, I'm leaving, but the fire still remains. La la la, la la la, la la la. songwriters of all time. Um, you've always been up there on my list ever since I first heard past these stage Rosemary in time through to the current day in the blue light um, being one of the newer albums, Graceland and Bernie and I sitting on the floor with our headphones listening to bookends just in complete awe of the songs, the way you wrote the songs and the sounds and you know as a songwriter you are the bee's knees and I wish you the best evening possible and I send you much love. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Susanna Hobbs. So it's 1981, I'm stuck at my day job and this Paul Simon song comes on the radio and I thought I knew all of his songs. So that night at band practice I said, can we please learn this song? We plugged in and here's what came out. I love you, Paul Simon. Thank you so much for this gift.
great songs. And Billy Porter raises the roof by taking us all to church. All ahead on Homeward Bound, a Grammy solicitor to songs and love signing. This is CBS. Hold on, everybody. Momentito. Possibilities of Paul's song, America Sting. I just got Paul Simon, has written so many amazing songs, so it's difficult to choose one, but I will. Uh, I want to sing America. God bless you, Paul, for writing this great song. I love it. Here it is. Yeah. 
do you pick a song for a tribute to Paul Simon? Quickly. Because these are songs that matter to people. I moved quickly for this song from Paul's second solo album, There Goes Ryman Simon. This song wasn't a big hit single. It was just stunning, deep, and true. Joining me tonight is my friend Brad Paisley. It's my honor to sing this song for one of our greatest singer-songwriters then and now. Paul, thank you for always digging deep and giving us something so right.
special guest to perform what many consider Paul Simon's masterpiece. Plus, we big tell Dave Matthews, the legendary Jimmy Cliff, and more. As Homeward Bound at Grammy Salute, the songs of Paul Simon continues. This is CBS. I will never forget in 1970 when I first heard one of the most beautiful songs ever, ever written, Bridge Over Trouble Wall. Stunning melody and Art Garfunkel's great vocal. It hit me hard. And it still is a healing song that the world needs more than ever today. <laughs> to sing the song with me tonight, please welcome my friend, a great artist, with a voice that will heal you. Ladies and gentlemen, let us see.
Geography. And here's a beautiful example. Please welcome to New Orleans finest, Trombo Choi and the soul sweet herself, Irma Thomas. Come on now, take your part of it. now. 
But um, all right, Rainbird, on this wave of celebration, I pass this talking stick to you. And that emerald serpent feathered one is right there on the front lines. And he's towing angels, fairies, feathers, rainbows, crystals, and all kinds of menahunis and little people. Here they come. Oh, great. Got them all. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, thank you, thank you for tonight. That was fun music. And cryon's always really good. Mo's always fun to listen to. Get with hope. And love is the answer. It (laughs) is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, with lots of gratitude, I'm sending this talking stick over to you, Mama, if you got a little bit. Okay. Tell us what you got, Rama. Um, this is uh, Pentatonics, Angels We Have Heard on High. All right. Well, let's do that.
We have heard on high. We are all angels now. And angels are like we are. So let it be. <laughs> and thank you, Penny. That was a great um, contribution tonight. The song at the beginning of this last section and this one. And we'll do some more of this tomorrow, everyone. And this is real world peace now. And I can sing it. Right, Rama? Yeah. Inshallah. Inshallah. Satnam. Satnam G. Aho, we talk about it. 13 thank yous, honey in the heart, no evil. And everyone. Uh, we can do this together. No one without a home, no one without food and shelter and, and, and what you need to be happy. Namaste, everyone. See you tomorrow. This afternoon, really. Okay, aloha. <laughs>